you're looking for the good, if you're looking for, okay, what do I need to learn from this situation? What do I need to learn from this person? What do I need to learn from this quote unquote challenge? It's really all about how you choose to interpret it. Welcome to a success of our own. A success of our own is an invitation for us to courageously define our own version of success beyond the mainstream metrics we've been told we should want so that we can create a sustainable and joyful success that we can finally relax into. I'm your host, Natalie Ruskin. I'm a journalist with an inquiring mind, a meditation teacher seeking the divine, and a community gatherer helping others live life more inspired. This podcast offers you the opportunity to learn and grow through inspiring personal stories of transformation, ideas, and practices. As you listen to this podcast, breathe it in and let it slow you down even a bit. Trust that simply listening in this less effortful way, you'll experience a shift. You'll find that puzzle piece you've been seeking. Join me in this moment, and let's take a risk together at living a success of our own. We often speak about blind spots as a negative blind spot when you're driving, blind spot when you're about to say or do something that you're going to regret afterwards. So we see them as a barrier to growth. But can a blind spot also boost our growth? For Renee Laforet, this seems to be the case. Her definition of success is all about personal improvement. And for Renee, barriers have been a part of her personal improvement journey. She has spent most of her adult career encountering three barriers, and yet almost intentionally, she has chosen to be blind to them for the sake of her growth. I won't make it sound like it's all been, you know, roses and unicorns and rainbows, right? I've had my challenges throughout my career. I've had my challenges, you know, in my personal life and other things. And you can see it as something that's going to be your downfall. You can see it as something that's going to be your springboard to doing something bigger and better. As a female C-suite executive in tech who is a person of color, Renee was an only in most boardrooms. Had she allowed herself to view those parts as barriers to her growth, she might have second-guessed herself and created an invisible fourth barrier, imposter syndrome, that feeling so many of us know so well that we are not worthy of the success we have every right to receive. And then she would have denied herself and future onlys like her the opportunity to have a seat at the decision table because she would be invisible. We all have human experience. Yes, some have, you know, different things that are good or bad that occur that then shape us as individuals. But ultimately, what do you want to leave behind? What's your legacy? Renee's going to share with us how she shifted her preoccupation with that fourth invisible barrier of imposter syndrome by focusing her energy on her growth and on supporting the growth of others. You know, I've had so many years of thinking about how I could fit into a corporate culture or fit into different places, whether it be friends that I was hanging out with, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it took some time for me to realize that 
It's not about fitting in. It's about becoming the best version of me, right? And if I'm staying on that right frequency that feels right to me, then I'm going to have the right people in my circle, whether it be at work, at home, with friends, family. That's what it's all about. I spent so many years working really, really hard, almost to the point where I kind of sacrificed my mm. own well-being and realizing that, you no, know, there is no, that's not success. <laughs> success is not, you know, getting through something and then finding yourself in the hospital at the end of the day because you've, you know, sacrificed Did your that own happen? well-being. I wasn't in the hospital. I mean, I ended up with a a health uh, mm -hmm. situation that, mm -hmm. you know, did affect me, quite mm -hmm. frankly. It got to the point where I had so much inflammation in my body that yeah. it was hard for me to move. Every time I took a breath, I had like sharp stabbing pains in my chest. You know, I eventually got diagnosed with something that I, I went kind of work through. Mm -hmm. But it was really a wake-up call for mm -hmm. me, right, where making sure you're, you're listening to your body, making sure that you're taking care of yourself. Your self-care is not selfish. It's just when you're taking care of yourself, you're better able to take care of others. Having gone through my own autoimmune you could call it dis-ease. I'm of a few minds. One part of me is like, yes, this physical host of symptoms is a direct manifestation of the psychological and spiritual malaise that I was experiencing. That's the one I believe. The other thought I had was, well, some people live with this. I know people very close to me who have chronic migraines and they push on through and there's that belief or that fear, am I just weak? I should just push through. The third is kind of, there's not even an acknowledgement of something being wrong. It's more just people adding layers and layers onto those warning signs and just accepting that this is part of working hard. Like how, how did you navigate those, if at all? I have a certain theory myself. If you think about what autoimmune disorder does, it's where the body starts attacking itself, right? So it's almost like you've lost your self-markers and it's starting to figure out a way to, you know, over-stimulate your system, right? I actually talked about this in a speech I delivered a little while ago. Dr. Gabor Mate has yeah. this thing about, you know, if you've been prevented from learning how to say no, yeah. our bodies may end up saying it for us. And that's just it, right? If you're really not listening to those inner cues, if you're not really listening to what you need to do to take care of your, your basic needs, you know, food, water, rest, all things that go along with that. It's amazing how, you know, sometimes your body will say, hmm, you're not going to listen to me. Well, I'm going to make you listen, right? Mm. Even when it came to, you know, thinking about how to navigate. I mean, I had years of being misdiagnosed and all these different things that were happening. And when I started to take control in the sense of not, no, I don't have a medical degree. I don't have necessarily all the answers, but I followed my intuition mm. when it came to, even when I was dealing mm. with my care partners, I've looked at more holistic services that went beyond just treating the symptoms mm -hmm. and all mm -hmm. these different things. I do believe that, you know, through the way, who I was being in the moment and what I was doing, I started to attract the right types of services and supports, the right medications, the right, you know, holistic services, the right care team. I mean, you know, everything from lymphatic massage to, mm -hmm. you know, you know, actual medications mm -hmm. that I had to take. I'm happy to say at this juncture, I'm, you know, I'm not on any biologic mm -hmm. or anything that's kind of immunosuppressant that's mm -hmm. going to help me manage my condition. I believe I'm doing something right. It's been a couple of years now, so which is, which is good. Yeah. So great, Renee. Mm -hmm. So helpful to hear. And yet there was that time where there was ignoring those signs because there was an external conditioned idea of what success no matter the cost needed to be. What was that version of success for you and where do you think it came from? So I love my mom. She's one of the most amazing women I've ever met. And she had this saying, and I think it probably is very prevalent in certain communities, that you have to be twice as good because you're black and you're female. So this notion of, you know, just being able to get and achieve meant I needed to over 
achieve, or I don't even want to say it that way, just try effort. It required mm-hmm. significant over-exert. effort. Overexert. There were periods of time, I think back to where, you know, I didn't spend time with my family. I was, you know, working crazy hours and all the stuff that goes along with that. And it's okay to do that sometimes. It mm-hmm. requires it sometimes. Mm-hmm. When it becomes a pattern and something you're doing on a regular basis, you know, then that sometimes can, can get to you, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are people out there, I know people who work, you know, they live on five hours of sleep and they can do that. Mm. I'm just not one of those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I need my rest. I need time to just recharge. And that's something I do. I mean, my team will know when I go on vacation, I'm on vacation. I've learned that. I remember the Secretary of Cabinet saying this at one point. I mean, I'm running the entire public service. And if I can go away for two weeks and not check my email, why can't you? That was earlier in my career. And I thought, hmm, hmm she has a point. Right. This notion of, you know, you have to always be on. And now with us working virtually, you know, everyone's, you know, literally you're like a, a chair slide away from your desk or you walk across your bedroom. You can literally, <laughs> if you wanted to, work 24-7. Right. And there were times we had to do that because we were dealing with, you know, pandemic response activities. A team did what they had to do to kind of serve. But you had to make sure you're taking care of yourself at the same time as well. Right. So, you know, if you're going to take time off, take time off, take a break, be with your family, be present. No, not always, always having to check in. Because that also sends a message to your team that you're not trusting them, right? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you can't go away and put someone in charge to kind of cover for you and let them do what they need to do, you're, t- you're sending a message. You're not trusting them to be able to do that if you keep continually checking in, right? So it's also a part of that culture you're trying to create when it's about empowering your people to grow and, and develop as well. That giving them opportunity to, to cover for you when you go on vacation is one of those opportunities to grow and develop. Is this where you thought you would be like, I don't know how many years ago it was that you started in this career trajectory. Like, did you think you would be here? Did you have an idea of what you would be doing? And by the way, what is here? What are you up to right now? So I literally just last week retired from the city of Toronto, where I was the interim chief technology officer, running a team of, uh, well, on paper, 770 on terms of bums and seats, uh, less than that, delivering all kinds of phenomenal initiatives with my partners. We have a launch of 45 divisions we work with in collaboration to deliver with my amazing team of people. It was such a rewarding experience. Been with the province previously, most recently as a chief information officer, supporting five ministries, including running all the enterprise price, financial and human resources systems of the province, our service Ontario systems, etc. And when I think about that, I remember I had such aspirations for becoming a chief information officer. It was like one of those things I just, I wanted to do and I wanted to be. I spent almost 15 years as a director in different portfolios. Mm. And then I got the opportunity and it was wild because it was like this thing I was romanticizing almost, yeah. right? And it was a great experience, don't yeah. get me wrong. And I got into this, uh, into the role and the pandemic hit. And then it was just, it was one thing on top of the other. And I literally felt myself burning out. Mm-hmm. That's the only mm-hmm. way to put it, mm-hmm. right? And then I thought, okay, well, let me think about what I might be doing next. And so I looked for an opportunity. So between jobs though, I took five weeks off and I spent, and this is in the middle of the pandemic, I spent quality time with my daughter and my husband. It was like this this little silver lining gift of the pandemic, just being together and just spending time and just had this opportunity. I was, you know, acting in the interim chief role and encouraged to apply for the position. And no, didn't feel right knowing, you know, I could retire within the next one to two years. I didn't feel right applying for the job. And now... Which is what now that you're about to do? Oh, look at that smile. (laughs) So it's it's interesting, you know, when when it was almost like the stars aligned. It's the only way I can put it. I believe the universe supports us in so many wonderful ways. And I was looking for three things. I wanted something that was going to, again, impact was, you know, I want to have 
be somewhere where it's making a difference. I, I truly believe there's so much pride in being able to contribute to the lives of other people and businesses. So that was one thing, number one. Number two was an opportunity to grow, to do something mm-hmm. that was going to stretch me in some way, but then also to be part of a phenomenal organization and culture, right? Mm-hmm. So that was what I was looking for. And I had certain things I wanted to achieve and things I wanted to, you know, I made my list. I wrote my goals every day about yeah. what I was looking to do, what kind of impact I wanted to have, type of team I wanted to work with. And this opportunity came up as Senior Vice President of Transformation for an organization called Infrastructure Ontario. Here's an opportunity. I've heard nothing but phenomenal things about the leadership of the organization, the culture, even the effort they went through when it comes to the hiring process. And I get to go into this organization now and work with all of my partners from a business and technology perspective to see what we can do to further enhance our outcomes, right? So, you know, and it's a greenfield. And I'm really going to go in with my ears open. I'm going in. I don't have any ideas of I'm coming in to fix. I'm not not a fixer. I'm Mm -hmm. here to be enhancing and Mm -hmm. working in collaboration with my partners to figure out how we can level up. Who will you have to be to be that person? (laughs) I'll have to just be present, Mm -hmm. number one. I'll have to just listen and work in collaboration with my partners to really think about kind of where do we want to put our energy and focus going mm-hmm. forward, right? Um, obviously, there's some objectives I have to achieve. I mean, it'll be a, a performance mm-hmm. plan I'll have to work through. And then to me, it's really about, you know, leaning into being the best leader I can be, but in collaboration with my partners, right? We are working together to the benefit of the people we serve at the end of the day, and I've got to figure out how I can best do that. So I'm going to come in there with uh, that notion of just who do I need to be mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to do that? My focus has always been on people, right? I believe as leaders, that's what it's all about. We deliver through and with our people. You've invested a lot of time and energy in the last number of years in getting certified and developing yourself as this additional identity as a coach. Mm-hmm. What shifted for you as a leader in what can be perceived as a very harsh, just from the media and from some of my clients who have worked in public organizations. Mm -hmm. There can be a kind of the pressure to make ends meet and to not exploit money in any way, et cetera. How does wearing this hat as a coach affect and impact how you show up as a leader now? Public service is so rewarding because they get to impact the lives of of people, right? And and it was the province, and that was the city, right? Now it's going to be, you know, working with uh, our infrastructure, Ontario customers, partners, and everyone else. If I can be a better leader and a better coach, and I can enhance my listening skills and really looking for the elephant, not dealing with the fly, Mm. (laughs) being able to really tap into, okay, what's really going on here? What can I best do to help my business partner Mm. or my staff member or my team member or my colleague? Sometimes we get caught up in these paradigms of, you know, what we're trying to get done. And if we get it, break it down to the the core elements, it really is truly about just that. Like, what is the right thing to do? Mm. <laughs> and how can we make sure we're clearing the path of people to have what they need to be able to execute and do the right thing? Public service, you talked about, you know, this perception. I will say I would love to blow up any perception around public service. You will never find a place where you can deal with complexity mm. And learn to deal with complexity, learn Mm. to deal with ambiguity, learning to deal with having to make trade-off decisions, uh, learning to be as efficient as you can with public Mm -hmm. funds, right? Mm -hmm. There's no perfection. There's learning opportunities that present as you're going along. But I will tell you, when you see the passion of the people that are there, they're there to just that. They're there because they want to be there to make a difference and to contribute. It is so energizing and rewarding. It's the only way to put it. It is 
one of the most rewarding careers I've had, mm. quite frankly. I want to kind of rewind, rewind way back to like young mm-hmm. Renee. Mm-hmm. And I want to preface this, as you've mentioned, you're Black and you were an only in some ways, which is this term, maybe you can better describe what an only is. Yeah, sure. I mean, from a young age, I mean, I had the privilege, again, my, my parents invested in my education, so I'm grateful for that. So I happened to be one of you know a couple of Black kids in my school. That didn't matter so much because, I mean, I was there from nursery to grade 13, so my circle was, was very similar going through. But I did find, you know, as I was getting older, I started to notice things a bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've had, you know, friends of mine say, oh, he likes you, but you're, you know, she's an ace of spades, so, you yeah. know, he's not going to go out with you kind of thing. Those types of othering that mm-hmm. tended to happen at different times. Mm-hmm. And that's really, again, how you interpret that and how you either use it as fuel or drown it. Mm-hmm. I use that as fuel, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of just just doing what I could to be and continue to grow and develop as a human being. I believe life is a lifelong journey of learning. <laughs> if you're not learning, you're not growing, then you know, quite frankly, you're disintegrating in some way. I've invested in myself and in my family uh, to try and do that. I'm going to say this, and it's coming from my heart, so you can tell me how it's landing for you. And it's prompted by this past week, just kind of Randomly, my husband and I watched the movie King Richard, which is about Venus and Serena Williams' dad. You've seen it? I've seen the movie, yeah. And then Air, which is about Michael Jordan's- I haven't seen that one. Okay. I'm looking forward to seeing it. so that. good. And what I noticed, there was, there was a scene in both of them that was, both those films, that was so just- brain breaking for me. And it it all had to do with this kind of unconscious bias that the white power brokers had about the black athletes. And specifically, it was this almost like minimizing of the power of these other humans and that they should be grateful that they're getting this opportunity. And in both cases, sorry, spoiler alert to for you who <laughs> haven't seen this, but Venus and Serena's dad and Michael Jordan's, they were like, no, this is the way it's going to be done. And they actually changed the system in terms of how things are done beyond that moment. And I guess I wondered for you, how does it land when people are like, wait, you grew up with like mostly whites at this private school and you came from background without that much financing, et cetera. Like, how does that land for you when they are like, wow, you've come so far, you've done so great. That's amazing. Does that seem amazing to you? Uh, Again, in some respects, you know, I do have to acknowledge I've lived a life of privilege, right? In terms of the circles I've been able to be part of and the jobs I've been able to have and the things like that. At the end of the day, I'm just, I'm Renee, right? Mm. And I have family that has kept me strong. People in my circle who know me and love me for who I am, not just because of mm-hmm. the color of my skin, is, it just, it is what it is, right? It's, it's what it is. It has been a situation at times when, you know, I've been in boardrooms where I walk in the room, meeting with different partners and uh, mostly vendor partners and you know, they walk in, they assume the person beside me who happens to be someone who looks differently than me is the most senior person in the mm-hmm. room, right? They assume I'm there as the assistant or whatever else. And, you know, it's just fine. So I, I don't, again, it's not, I don't want to come across as if, you know, this, it's like they they should know better. It's not that. It's, it's again, it's unconscious, right? That's mm-hmm. the whole point about a unconscious bias mm-hmm. is that you're not recognizing that you're necessarily 
seeing people as you see them as they quote unquote should be versus what they may be. And all I do every day is just, again, focus on what I can, how can I contribute? How can I add value? Mm. And I figure if I'm doing that, the people who get to know me for me, if, even if they had preconceived notions or judgments, you know, people, we all do. Even everyone does. I have my own, you know, preconceived notions and judgments that I have to kind of work through on a daily basis as well. Because it's not like it's a one-way thing. We all have unconscious biases, black, white, Asian, doesn't matter. We all have them. And it's really about being attuned to them and, you know, figuring out how you can educate yourself so that you're not being lazy and just accepting the notional soundbite of the day or the prevailing attitude about certain things, right? I've been one of the only black female executives. There's not a lot of us in tech. And so we seek each other out when we can. And it's not about looking for special treatment. Mm -hmm. It's just about looking for being able to have an opportunity to get your foot in the door and being at the table and being able to be in a competition process and be get in the door to be able to show what you can do. And you'll be the best qualified candidate. It's not about giving an unqualified mm -hmm. candidate an opportunity. It's about at least getting in the door so you can be at the table to be considered, right? And once you're considered that you have the same benefits of everybody else to be able to be heard and to be able to be yourself and to be able to you know contribute and share your ideas and, and be recognized and rewarded for your contributions just like anybody else. Right. Sometimes there's this notion of diversity is bad for business. Right. I've heard that said. Mm. I was on a panel one day, and that someone raised mm. that. And you know, it is again, it's not about doing anybody any favors. Yeah. <laughs> diversity does not equal substandard candidates. Diversity right. just means about giving people an opportunity to get to the table so they can demonstrate what they can do. And we see the results when we have diversity, whether it's in a boardroom, in nature, in any type of innovative environment, the results are far more expansive and superior value than when it's homogeneous. Yeah, and, and the reason behind that is not, nothing to do with race. <laughs> the reason behind that is because we bring diversity of perspectives, diversity of experience, diversity of thought, diversity of you know, knowledge, diversity of all these different things. And that's what makes a richer outcome because you've got people that are not just looking at the problem in one way, right? You've got different people looking at things differently because of the experiences they bring to the table. And there is empirical research that shows Fortune 500 companies that have diversity on their boards and the different outcomes that they get. And diversity doesn't mean, again, just about race. It's race, gender, it's age, sex. Like it's, it's everything, right? It's making sure you're bringing you know, different modes of, people have different modes of thinking. People look at different problems differently, right? A scientist with an artist, with a technologist are going to come up with a different outcome than a bunch of different people that are all from one industry, right? So it's it's really about that at the I, end of the day. I feel chills hearing you say that because we can all just think back to our own firsthand experience of being in that blue sky meeting, or even if it's just a social gathering, when you hear from people who are not from your own background and you learn something and you hear a different perspective. I feel that when that happens, it's as though my cells are being rearranged <laughs> and I get so energized. It's so exciting. And I think that's me literally feeling growth in that moment. Absolutely. I mean, everything is for our growth and I won't make it sound like it's all been, you know, roses and unicorns and rainbows, right? I've had my challenges throughout my career. I've had my challenges, you know, in my personal life and other things. Again, it's really about how things are going sideways. Again, if, you, if you're looking for the good, if you're looking for, okay, what do I need to learn from this situation? What do I need to learn from this person? What do I need to learn from this mm. quote unquote challenge? It's really all about how you choose to interpret it, mm. right? You can, again, you can see it as something that's going to be your downfall. You can see it as something that's going to be your springboard to doing something bigger and better. Like what, what would the world be like if we just 
live by that golden rule, you know, just recognizing that we all have a same human experience. Yes, some have, you know, different things that are good or bad that occur that then shape us as, as individuals. But ultimately, you know, we're all children of, of God at the end of the day. And <laughs> we have the opportunity to contribute in this life in the way that we can. And what, what, do, we, what do you want to leave behind? What's your legacy? Mm-hmm. What's the impact you want to have? How do you stay connected with that sense of legacy and with that present day version of your own success? What are the ways that you bring that back to the top of the list for yourself? Because it can so easily get lost down below. I think about values. I'm a fairly values-based person. I have my North Star that kind of keeps me. I always remember that at the end of the day, and it's my, my Angela's one of my, mm. my, I quote her all the time. She's got all these different sayings that I quote, but one for me that I, I try and I limp by is, you know, people won't necessarily remember what you said they won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. And so whenever I'm interacting with my team, I'm, I'm conscious of trying my best to be my best version of myself for and with them. There's no need to be nasty. Being kind, being a caring, compassionate leader doesn't make you a weaker leader. Mm. <laughs> being able to take care of your team and your, your colleagues doesn't make you weaker. It makes you more human. There's a piece of shifting from the never good enough to good enough. You and I have talked a lot about that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of blind observing of this never good enough definition of success to now good enough. You talk about letting go. Mm-hmm. Can you speak more about how that shifted in a holistic way for you, not just in your work maybe as a leader? Yeah, it's, it's wild, you know, having a teenage daughter and seeing what, mm. you know, the images and everything you see on TikTok and all these things that, you know, just perpetuating this perspective of what is good enough. Ultimately, it comes from within, right? It really has to start to come from within. It can't be about always keeping up with the Joneses or trying to figure out how you can, you know, get this or get that. It's, it's really about self-image. Do you feel worthy? And, you know, those fears and doubts, sometimes, you know, the old fears and doubts, you know, am I good enough? Like, you know, do I belong? All those things that come up when you, from when you were a little kid, you know, all of us have those types of mm. feelings. I still have them from time to time. Mm. The difference is, you know, knowing who I am and knowing that, okay, I'm in this situation. And instead of questioning whether I belong or, you know, my, my therapist used to say something to me, she's like, I belong where I choose to be, right? Mm. I am where I am because it's where I belong in this moment. And mm. Whether the experience is what I expected it to be or if it's something different, there's either something to be learned, something to be gained, something to give. So it's one of those things. Like you're either in this situation because you're there to experience something because it's going to be something that you're going to grow as a result, or you're going to give something to somebody that's going to make a difference in their lives because you've had that interaction with them. It's going to make things better for them to see things in a different way from a different lens, or you're going to figure out a way to... Uh, to grow uh, as a result of it. And it's okay to be in scenarios with people that you don't necessarily fit or feel like you fit with. And it's not about then trying to fit in. It's about, okay, I'm going to be authentically me and I trust that I'm going to attract the people in my circle that are going to be a fit for me. And if it doesn't fit, it's because it's not meant to fit and that's okay. That's a bit of a free fall though, to say, I'm going to be authentically me and I'm going to trust that those who are meant to be here, will I will attract them. I believe that, and I've been practicing that. For you all listening, 
who are like, how, Renee, how do I do that? Because it sounds so appealing, but it can be really scary to just stop, turn off that inner critic. That inner critic can feel like it's protecting you. And that's it. It's ego. It's ego protecting you, right? It's, oh, like this, you know, this might be scary or some, whatever, the fear and doubt that comes up. Something's burning. Oh, oh it's just a candle <gasps> went out. <Fear. laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious. Um, you know, um, it's really about, uh, that's so funny. <laughs> I smelt it at first and I'm like, be cool, Ruskin. You're in an interview, like you're going to that survival brain, ironically. Okay, anyways. Yes. Yeah. So you yeah. were saying the ego piece. Being able to quiet those fears and doubts when they come up, really like, okay, where's this coming from? What would I prefer? How would I like to think about this situation? What is there for me to gain from it? What Look for the good. Mm-hmm. Like even things are not going the weird way. Sometimes opposites will show up. And again, why is this happening? What do I need to learn from this mm-hmm. and take away from it? Mm-hmm. Like we have a chance every single day. We start a fresh day. Even within a day, we can start fresh by just flipping the way we want to see things. I say this to my family all the time, right? It's such a choice of interpretation. You really can live life like the pinball machine, where you can be the pinball that's being bounced around mm. by all the things that are happening around you, or you can be the be pinball still. wizard. Or be the still, wizard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, be the wizard, right? Staying present and as much as you can, align to your true self, because all those the, the tapes, the voice that comes up, that's not your, that's your false self. That's your fears and your doubts trying to, you know, stop you from moving forward, because it may, it's the unknown, right? So, oh, I don't know what it's going to mean. So it might be scary, it might be unsafe. Do it anyway. As I said to one of my colleagues, do it scared. (laughs) Do it. And that's the thing I know for me, how I moved from theory to practice was I had this, my own slogan, bring it on and bring on the discomfort. I know what it's like to avoid discomfort. I know where that leads me. It's always the same definition of insanity, expecting different results. So Mm -hmm. I'm willing to be uncomfortable right now. And the only way when you talk about being in our natural self or essence, the only way for me that I can do that is by being present. Mm -hmm. And sometimes for me, it's as simple as like just my breath or feeling my feet on the ground, something that just literally switches my system from the thinking mind to being. Mm -hmm. Renee, if people want to read more about you or see what you're up to, how can they find that out? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm I'm trying to figure out my next moves are in the context of putting myself out there more because I do realize that I have a story to share and it would be good to being able to reach more people in that context and being able to have more impact. So Mm. I'm, I'm thinking about that in terms of what's next for Renee. So grateful to have this time with you. Thank you so much, Renee. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad you're doing this. So proud of you. I'm here to support you beyond what you hear in these conversations. So check out my website for some practical guides and worksheets. Yes, I said worksheets to help you create the changes you want in your life. You can find those at natalieruskin.com. That's N-A-T-A-L-I-E-R-U-S-K-I-N.com. I also want this podcast to be successful. And one of my metrics of success is to share my message with those who might benefit from hearing it. So if you feel inspired by what you've heard here, like it, or if a friend or colleague comes to mind, share it with them. And finally, I'm a work in progress here, people, and I'd love to hear from you. 
What topics, what themes around success would you like to hear more on? Send me a note at natalie at natalieruskin.com. That's my first name, Natalie, at N-A-T-A-L-I-E-R-U-S-K-I-N dot com.